This episode of the Impact of Leadership podcast is brought to you by CCB Technology. Now, the meaning of words matters. Otherwise, how would we effectively communicate with each other? One phrase that gets thrown around a lot is trusted partner. But what does that mean practically? Well, to the folks at CCB Technology, it means communication is proactively provided to you as their customer versus you having to ask the right questions, which is maddening when you have to guess what the right question is. It means that when a suggested cybersecurity upgrade is presented to you, you can have the confidence it will work to protect your data and employees because you know and have the trust that the solution is based fully on your organization's needs, not a sales goal. Now, it also means that when your organization wins an award or has a fundraiser or is looking to hire someone, you won't be surprised when CCB technology cheers you on, shows up to support, or has a referral for you. Now, a trusted partner cares about you and your success. When it comes to outsourced IT, you can't get better than CCB technology. Don't settle for hoping it works out. Go to ccbtechnology.com and start relying on a trusted partner. Politics. When that word is spoken, something happens in people. Sometimes good things, most times not so good things. Sometimes internally, and most times externally, especially during election time, and depending how close someone's phone is to social media. Anyway, stories. Now that's another word that causes thoughts to flow. Most people, in my opinion, like a good story. They enjoy it. I mean, look at audiobooks and podcasts and movies plethora of those three things tells us that we do enjoy a good story. Now, I've got a politician on today's show, and I'm betting you'll enjoy the stories that he's going to tell us, if you let yourself. And you might even learn something about the human behind the role. Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast, where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. I'm your host, Steve Shear, and today's episode features a simple guy that loves his hometown, his family, and is doing his best to serve those around him. My guest today is Senator Van Wangard. Before you cheer or check out, I'm going to say the same thing here that I did when I interviewed former Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes. You got some work to do. Set your politics aside. Listen to this conversation, and if you find yourself saying, yeah, but don't finish that sentence. I don't get anywhere near voting or upcoming elections as a topic in this conversation. We don't touch it. I wanted to interview the man and see what I could learn. So I think you're going to enjoy this one. Here is my conversation with Senator Van Wangard. I'm State Senator Van Wangard, and I actually serve the 21st State Senate District, which includes most of uh, rural Kenosha County and Racine County. Uh, so it goes from the west side of the city of Racine, I have part of that, the north side of the city of Racine, uh, all the way out to Walworth, and then from the Milwaukee County line down to the Illinois state line in Kenosha uh, County, from the city of Kenosha boundaries all the way west again to Walworth. And um, so that's pretty much the district, you know, geographically. Um, and uh, I, I guess, you know, I, 
I started out uh, in the Senate in 2010. I ran for the Senate and was elected in 2011. So it's been kind of a little bit of a of a, a roller coaster. The district was a little bit different when I first ran. Uh, it didn't include Kenosha. It was just mostly all of Racine County. And so there's a little bit of a change there. Um, but uh, was recalled and then ran again two more times. So uh, I ran again last year. And so I have a four-year a four-year commitment, well, actually three now because the year's just about passed, um, for serving in the district. Um, but we'll see because there's some challenges to the redistricting, too, with how that was done, too. So um, just out there working, a retired police officer, 30 years from Racine. Um, I was actually injured uh, as an officer back in 2000. I was hit head-on by a fleeing uh, felon. Uh, who was being chased by the United States Marshals and uh, ended up flattening my spinal cord and breaking my neck. So that ended my law enforcement career. And so then all of a sudden, you know, uh, knock on the door from a friend. He says, you got to get involved in politics. So I ran for the county board uh, position that he was serving in because he was ready to retire and spend some time with his, his kids. And I won that. And next thing you knew, I'm on the county board. So it's been a real interesting, uh, real interesting uh, journey uh, to get where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. It, it, so I'm interested in people's trajectory and, and the the why behind what they do. But before we get into that, uh, the person, the, your friend, knocks on the door, says, "Hey, you got to jump into politics." Um, I'm intrigued because some people would say, "You're crazy. I'm not jumping into politics." Um, but you, you dipped your toe into it. What was it that was behind that? Yeah. I, th- I think that makes sense. I'll, I'll give it a shot. It, my my friend, uh, his name is Jody Carls. He was a research scientist at uh, S.E. Johnson's. He was actually serving as the county board supervisor from the district that he and I live in. We live just a few blocks away. We grew up together. When he knocked on my door and says, you should run for the county board. This It's really interesting. And you've got the background, you know, da, 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 da. And at first he says, well, what does a county board supervisor really do? You know, I, I knew what they kind of were, but I didn't know what their job actually entailed and so after going out to a couple of their, their meetings and understanding what the prize you know this might be interesting it might be an interesting way that i can still serve my community and, and still be involved and feel like i'm adding value and so that's how i ended up getting into into serving was by doing that and of course i guess the probably the biggest thing is when you're running for an elected office that most people don't understand is it's just not you know you throw a bunch of signs out and send out you know, a couple uh, pieces of, of literature. It's building relationships and getting to know people that are your constituency and understanding where they're at, but knocking on doors and, and talking to people and being able to have a conversation. Uh, that's really huge. So pretty much a people person my whole life grew up as uh, in a family of eight, uh, middle son of, of, uh, of the eight. So I'm the fourth oldest in our clan and so uh, my father was in, in, in leadership he was uh, served in world war ii four and a half years in the jungles of new guinea came back went and got his degree at the uh, uw or at uh, marquette university he had his degree from uw madison when he was went into world war ii but when he got, came out of that then he he ended up going to marquette getting a dental degree uh, and they ended up taking him in for another five years for the Korean conflict. So um, it was pretty, he's always in pretty much a leadership 
role. So I spent a lot of time with my dad in reserve and National Guard commitments that, that he had, you know, going to those meetings with him uh, and learning a lot about, I think, what, uh, what leadership is at, at that level and watching it, you know, from the outside kind of watching it, you know. And so I think that probably helped shape, shape me with, you know, what my, my, uh, what my personal commitment was to doing things for my family and, of course, for my community. So yeah, it's an, that that is really really helpful. I appreciate you opening up, opening that up because there's there's human there are humans behind these roles, and that's part of what this podcast is about. Is uh, every episode I try to peel back layers on effective leadership, regardless of the tax code for the organization they work for or the role that they're in. But there's people there's people behind it. So thank you for doing that. Um, from your perspective. What, what is it that most people wouldn't realize about a senator's responsibilities? Well, you know, I, I think a lot of times, especially from the state side, from the state senator side, um, you watch TV and you watch what's on the different news media, you know, and it doesn't make any difference, you know, which news media it is. You watch that news media and you get their perspective and their twist on what happens. And so people will assume that uh, whatever's happening at the national level is also the way things work on the state level. And also, you know, they, they bring those biases with when they, when they think about what different people do in those, those roles. So I think probably the biggest, the, the biggest thing that, that people don't understand is we're just individuals that are in those positions. Uh, we don't have the ability to to accomplish a lot of things without help from an awful lot of other people. And so it's building those networks so people know, you know, you know kind of who you are and they understand what your, your needs are as somebody that is serving others. So that understanding of, I think, an individual working in this position, it's not just, you know, you click and it's done. It's, you have to know a lot of other people to make things happen. And I mean, it doesn't have to be something where you're doing something under the table type of thing. People call us all the time and, and need help about things that are, are happening with them. And, and I would bet you probably, probably 80% of the time or more, the issues that arise are the difficulty with communication with what the person needs and what their needs are and what, the requirements are for whatever that need is. So if it's something that like a licensing issue or something like that, um, a lot of times there's just a little disconnect someplace and it's kind of plugging the right people in at the right places. And, you know, leadership is so important when it comes to getting things accomplished that people know your heart and that they know that, you know, where you're coming from, you know, why are you doing it and, and how you get it accomplished is by having good people who you're you're working with uh, to get the job accomplished. So you're getting the job done through others. Is that how, that's good and that's helpful because I've never been in politics, but based on what you just said, would that be, you roughly speaking, would that be kind of how you would define success in politics then? Exactly what you said, but take the politics out. It's just like, there's a gentleman that is uh, he's out there quite a bit. His name is John Maxwell, and uh, he's 
he he does you know encouragement uh, type thing. He has a ministry and he's written a lot of books. And my favorite one of his books is "There's No Such Thing uh, as There's No Such Thing as What Do You Call It?" Uh, uh, I can't think of the word now. Um, there's no such thing as business ethics. That's the title of the book. And, you know, when you look at this, it basically comes down to, you know, we put our personal, our personal twist on, on everything. And, you know, sometimes it just, it doesn't make a difference. It should be that you do it because it's the right thing to do. So when you look at ethics, there's sports ethics and there's political ethics and there's, uh, uh, all these different types of ethics as they apply to something specifically. Um, some in-depth police ethics, whatever it might be. But it really boils down to there's just ethics, doing the right thing every time. This is the same thing with, you know, when you're, you're looking at a leadership uh, aspect, it's treating people right. And having that level of honesty and that level of, of connection, it's all dependent upon how that individual connects with, with somebody and how true are you to, you know, doing what's necessary to build a good, solid relationship with, with somebody. And, you know, I think a lot of times speaking from the heart, you eliminate all those other, all those other personality issues that pop in sometimes. That's really great. So then that's a, that's a really good bridge to the topic specifically of leadership away from, you know, the, the political realm, regardless of what somebody does, you're talking about uh, effective leadership is what I'm hearing. So effective leadership looks like building relationships and doing the right thing no matter what is i don't want to put words in your mouth but that's kind of what i'm taking away from this that's 100 percent right on yeah so from the outside politics looks like a constant hot button topic you know a job that uh by nature has an increased maybe an increased number of obstacles you know people taking hard stances like you talked about before giving opinions with little regard most times uh, for who might get hurt, the comment sections. So what, what role has your family and routines and trusting friends, mentors, people around you played in your career thus far? Well, you know, I, I think, I think that applies to not only politics, but it applies to any position that you're in where you're out in front and you are the one that is guiding the ship so any one of those positions that you're in where you're the one people look to, I, I think that ability to be able to bring other people along, and I always look at it this way, I, I don't have people behind me. I, I don't think of it that way. I think it's a mindset. So when I go do something, I don't have a whole bunch of people behind me. You know, like people say, oh, well, yeah, I'll be behind you. Everybody's behind you. We're all behind you. You're going to get this done. See, I don't look at it that way. I look at it that I have people alongside of me, you know, because we're all pulling the wagon in the same direction. We're all trying to accomplish something positive, you know, for for other people to make other people's lives a little bit, bit better. And, you know, this is this is how I base my legislation. When I when I legislate something and I'm I'm working on on accomplishing something to solve a problem, be a problem solver. Uh, it's all about, I think, understanding the problem, but at the same time, taking that, that problem and uh, having the people that are with you 
help to craft a piece of legislation that will solve the problem without creating other unintended consequences for other people. And so the idea is to, you know, do a piece of legislation that's going to make sense, that's going to solve the problem, that is going to help and not create another issue someplace else. And doing that with, uh, okay, I fixed it for them, but I don't really care about this other group. You know, you, you can't do that. You know, you have to you have to sift through things and you got to do it without uh without bringing an agenda along too. And, you know, sometimes that's, that's a little challenging for people to be able to do that. And, you know, when, when I think you mentioned, you know, just the issue of getting into different routines and trusting friends and things like that, as, as I grew up in, in my family, and I think just about all of my brothers and sisters, you know, learned the same things. My, my father taught us, it, it was about, when you have individuals that become friends that you work with, that that you interact with, all of a sudden they have a hyphenation in their name, and it's their name, and we add Wangard on because they become part of the family. So now they're extended family. And I think when you, when you have that mindset that you're bringing other people in and, and truly you're going to treat them like they're part of your family, it's just like we have, and I, I go and I visit many, uh, local businesses that are family-owned businesses. And when it's a family-owned business, almost every time, the people that are, are working in that environment, in that family-owned business, they're members of the family. And when they go to work, it's not, I'm going to work for Joe. It's, I'm going to work for the family. And now you have a different perspective when you look at it that way because you have ownership. And I think this has been one of the big problems that occur uh, is that people don't consider that they're part of something. And I, I, I would guess, as an example, if you went and looked in your closet or in your, your drawer, you'd find all kinds of different different pieces of clothing, shirts, jackets, that show uh, maybe uh, the Packers or the Badgers or, you know, the Cubs or, or the Brewers. I mean, something that's got an emblem on it, maybe from the, the college you went to. Why is that? Because people want to belong to something positive. And generally, those those teams and things that are out there, it's a positive thing. It's something that, you know, is not, doesn't, it's not real prejudicial. It's, you know, it's about the team, you know, it's about, you know, those types of things that you can be part of something that has a positive image. And I believe that if if we treat it that way with our relationships and how we build our relationships, we get family involved, friends involved, that, that trust kind of grows on its own. People that you work with, uh, that, that mentor you, that, that become uh, leaders you look to, uh, that's really important that you have that, that trust with them. And it is challenging for, for family. Uh, it is challenging for, for me as the person that is in this role as a, a legislator when there are people that are, like you said, hot button issues that people are upset about, you know, um, not only does it come back to me, but then everybody that has my name, they get beat up over it too sometimes, you know, because of a, a decision that was made that they didn't agree with. And, you know, we've had a couple things that have happened in the 12 years that I've been in the legislature that, that uh, people weren't happy with, you know, and uh, you got to do what you, you believe is right in your heart and then stick to it. And, you know, if you're a little bit off on what you 
thought was a good good choice. So you got to make a little adjustment to that. You do that. You know, you make that adjustment, and you you work to make sure, like I said, you're legislating to the good of everybody, mm-hmm. not just one selective group either. And sometimes that's challenging to do, but you yeah. got to do it. So you talked about a couple things. There's two themes that keep popping into my head as you, as you're speaking. One is decision making, but before decision making. I keep hearing this theme of trust and trust building and relationships. Um, so how do those two things in your mind go together? Because those seem to be uh, above and beyond someone's station in life, whether it's in politics or they're a teacher or they are work for a family business. Those two things seem to be applicable. So I, I would love to hear your take on it, given your last 20 years trajectory of, of work and uh, in and out of politics and things like that. Of, of how do you see those two things going together decision making and then also trusting relationships like what what do you need to have to build trusting relationships in order to make effective decisions well you know i guess that's probably it's probably a little different for everybody as as i look back honestly i never ever saw myself as being in a leadership role um in the legislature, I mean, that was never on my radar as I was growing up and doing things. But now as I look back and, and you start looking, you know, okay, how did I get here? You know, and I think a lot of people will reflect on that. I mean, some people probably don't, yeah, but I mean, as I look back, reflect, how did I get here? You know, what made this happen? And, and I truly believe that, you know, the Lord puts our, our feet on a path uh, and we just have to be aware of, of uh, the fact that he's there because a lot of times he gives us opportunities and we walk right by him. And, you know, I've been pretty blessed my whole life. I started out uh, as a youngster working in the local grocery store when I was about 12 or 13 years old. The corner grocery store back when we had those uh, was a school store. And I knew the people that were there. And they asked me if I wanted to, to work a little bit straightening up, you know, shelves and stuff like that. I did that. And I learned the value of a buck that way. And I also learned about interacting with people and, and working. I enjoyed that. And then as time went on uh, and uh, I got a little older and, you know, I'm now 15 and a half, you know, and I, I can't get a job because I can't get a work permit till you're 16. I ended up having a painting business. My dad said, well, I'll tell you, what, you paint the house and I'll pay you so much an hour. Keep track of your hours. So I did that. And as I'm finishing up painting my my home uh, in West Racine, you know, the, the neighbor later, an elderly lady said, hey, you're doing a great job. How would you like to paint my house? And I said, mm, I'll send my, I'll send my estimator over. That was my dad. And, uh, because he, he did, did painting to get himself through Marquette. You know, they painted the whole dental school. And so my dad went over and estimated. And, uh, next thing you know, I, I went and bought ladders and more paintbrushes, hired two of my buddies to help me, you know, to pay them cash. I fired them two days later cause they didn't show up. They thought softball was more important and hired my two sisters to help you know trim windows <laughs> they they did a lot of the trim work so i paid them and next thing you know i'm doing the house next to that so that summer i painted uh three houses and uh they lasted 30 years did a great job i made a buck and i really learned the value of work i sandbagged that that money and uh, when i graduated a few years later from lutheran high school i went to australia for six weeks with my parents on a trip and uh, you know i had the money and the funds to pay my own way and do a lot of my own stuff. So it was a a great experience for me. So the whole point to this is that 
you know, where you're at today starts way back when, when you're younger. And it starts with how you approach life and how you work with people and how you value others. And I think that's part of the part of the biggest issue today is people don't take the time to sit down and really assess, you know, the importance of those friendships and relationships. And it's a lot more difficult, I think, today because, I mean, we have, I, I walk into a restaurant as an example, and I, you look over at a, at a table of four young people, and they're all on their phones, and they're all texting. And they're not texting somebody in Iowa. They're texting each other at the table. You know, and, and it's like, am I really seeing this? And it's, they're texting back and forth at the table. You know, and it's not just, yeah, it's a fun thing that they do once. This is how they communicate. They don't know how to talk to each other. You know, and I, that's a challenge. We're losing so much of that today, that conversation. That's what helps build, I think, leadership is because you understand the value of a relationship. And it's more than just shooting a text to somebody, you know, or letting Siri do it. You know, uh, I mean, these are the things today that we end up missing. I, I have been so blessed by the number of people that uh, I could call a friend. I took a, a college course uh, at uh, UW Parkside that dealt with a, a psychology course. And the first thing we did in the class, uh, the professor said, okay, I want everybody to just take five minutes and write down all the people you can think of that in the middle of a snowstorm at midnight, your car stuck, who would you call to be able to come and get you? Don't worry about whether they could actually get there with a the car, but you know, who could you call that? Who would be somebody you would consider close enough friend that you could call and ask to do that? And I start writing, and I've got my page full, and I look over, and there's people that have one person written on their, on their list, and it's like, Oh, I must be okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna thin this out a little bit. Okay, I'll be a little bit more. You know, I had like 50 people down there. Well, by the time I got there, I still had you know 30 people that I knew, and that was in five minutes. You know, so it's being able to build those types of relationships where I would do the same thing for them, and they become like I said. Now it's a hyphenation of their their name because they're part of the family. You know, and. So that's that type of relationship building is what helped to elevate me. I I ended up you know working for thirty years uh, with the Racine Police Department. I loved what I did. I was an accident reconstructionist, a traffic investigator for most of my career, about twenty five years of my thirty years, and until I my my career was ended by a high speed impact from a fleeing felon. And totally my, my squad car that ended my law enforcement career. And I'll tell you, I was, it was pretty depressing when I thought I'm done because surgically, if they would have gone in and done the surgery, I would have had a really high probability of being, being paralyzed the rest of my life. And so, you know, all of a sudden it's like, okay, I'm not going back in to be being able to wrestle with people on the street or anything. So I'm done with my career. And that's when all of a sudden the Lord uh, allowed that knock on my door and here we go. I'm, he's opening another door. And uh, I was blessed to be able to do that, to, to get into uh, politics and, and to a point where I could build those relationships with my other uh, fellow people in the community. Yeah, it's so good. The, the hinging uh, theme throughout this is trust, relationships, servitude. And it doesn't start now. It starts way back when. 
what, what you're about, you know, what, what is it that you are about? Cause what you are about now, 20 years from now is going to tell a whole different story, um, than what you're expecting. Cause you know, nobody looks at their life typically, um, like you're saying, you know, they analyze their life and they look back like, Oh, that actually started when I was 15 or when I was 12, when I was, when I didn't have a, a work permit, when I was painting houses, the relationship building stuff, the work ethic. Um, so this is all fantastic. And it's not always going to be, um, be perfect either. <laughs> you know, no, 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 everything no. is, it's a work in progress and it's, it's how you, how you approach those relationships and what depth you you see those relationships in your life. I know when I when I got into the law enforcement in 1972, I then became a full fledged officer. I got married in 1973, May 1973, and in October, um, September or October, I was selected to go to California to learn about relationships and suicide prevention, and it was a college a college course to, to learn about building relationships and, and how to work with, with people and understand how those those commitments are and the importance of them. I left my wife for almost two and a half months right after we were just married. I mean, I was gone for two and a half months, you know, so enter the family aspect of this. You know, she was really, she knew that I had to do this and she knew the importance of, of how this was going to help me be a better a better law enforcement officer and she understood that because I was working with kids already with the Racine Underground Youth uh, Organization that dealt with uh, young kids that had depression issues and were suicidal, maybe uh, consuming drugs and had addictions. And I worked with AA and Al-Anon. My wife and I started the Alateen program here in Racine as, as uh, advisors. And we worked with a lot of kids that had uh, challenges with parents that were addicted to, to alcohol back then and, and other things. And so, I mean, it's there's a stepping stone of growing and learning, you know, just life isn't always perfect either. You know, you have to, you got to work through all those issues that are thrown at you too. And you have to hope that, you know, what you're doing is going to be successful. And the only way to really get that done is to get it done with the help and trust of others and the ability for those others to also shine and, and not forget about the value, the value of each one of those individuals. I, when I work with my, my campaign, uh, as an example, um, we had a little old lady. She was an elderly lady, and she she comes in and she says, I'd like to help you with your campaign. You know, I says, she says, but I can't do phones and I can't knock on doors. And I says, well, how would you like to be a greeter and talk to people? And they go, oh, I could do that. She was absolutely perfect. Absolutely perfect. Now, the value of that lady was not any less because she couldn't knock doors or talk to people on the phone. The value was just so important. And she added so much value to the, to the whole process that, um, it lit up everybody's day, you know? So the first person through the door you see, a lot of times that sets the tone, <laughs> you know? That's right. That's right. The manager of first Absolutely. And so <laughs> that's about, you know, you take somebody who is a senior person. This is why it's so important that we also don't, you know, forget uh, the importance of people that are retired and seniors that have all this experience. We don't want to push that away because they're, they're, they're older. We want to, you know, work with those people and it is a little more challenging today to be a senior and be involved in extracurricular stuff because of all the electronics and all the different things that 
they have to try to understand. Just like me trying to get onto this podcast today and work and work through, you know, some things. I had to talk to our guys in Madison and say, "Okay, what am I doing wrong? Do I have this loaded on my computer?" <laughs> so it worked out well. Well, I've got a, a few lighter, uh, more fun kind of lighter questions. Not just it's my personality. I, I'd love to give a sort of a lightning round of sorts just because again, you're, you're a human, you're a Racine guy, and I'd love to hear your take on it. If it's all right with you, I'll, I'll shoot a couple at you. Sure. All right. So what's your go-to Kringle? Okay. So the real Kringle is in Racine here and I'll, I'll give you the rest of the story. So Lindstrom is the one that started the Kringle process way back when, when the, the Danes first came to Racine and a lot of these, uh, these owners of some of the other bakeries we have in Racine worked for Lindstrom. So they all got the recipe and spread out around the city. So Lindstrom was the leader in, in doing it. We, we don't have Lindstrom's Bakery here anymore, but we do have some really great bakeries. We've got uh, Benson's Bakery. The Bensons grew up across the street from me from where I grew up in West Racine, so I knew all of them. And then, of course, there's the uh, Olesons, uh, Eric from O&H. Uh, they also had their business across from my dad's dental office on High Street for years. So I got to know all them. They were personal friends of my dad, who was a, a Dane. You know, so uh, we got there's such an excellent choice for O&H, uh, Benson's, Larson's was awesome. They just actually, Larson's just uh, merged with uh, Layman's Bakery. And so they're working together. And I think there was probably some challenges with with just you know running the business with the COVID and all those things, but uh, they're still still around and they're they're d- doing good. They've merged. So any one of those three, I generally try to try to spread it around. When I go to Madison, I bring two or three Kringles with me. It gets a little expensive, but it's a treat that I can bring for my district. So uh, O and H Bakery Benson's are the two that I usually go to because it's pretty much out my back door here. That's good. That's real good. Uh, what's your, this is another Racine centric question, but what's your go-to restaurant in Racine? Go-to restaurant. I would say Melly's. Uh, Melly's and now the Cantina, which is at the Delta right across the street from Melly's. Uh, Jordan, who owns uh, Melly's, uh, is opening the Cantina right across the street in the Delta for dinner. And it's got, you know, a little bit more of the Mexican menu, but uh, you can get, you know, regular American meals there, there too. He's just opening that up. So uh, that's a phenomenal place. Good, good food, uh, treat. Uh, what's the other one? Anna's. I think it's Anna's on Taylor Avenue is another good, or I've been there a few times and that's another really good, good, right. We're, we're really blessed to have a lot of those restaurants that have actually made it through the COVID issue. So that's right. Um, would you rather bird hunt or gun hunt whitetails? Uh, back in the old days, I think, uh, bird hunting, pheasant hunting, uh, I haven't done that for many, many years because of my neck injury. I can't, I can't go out and do that travel, you know, do a lot of walking on those uneven surfaces, but probably bird hunting was probably my, my most, uh, relaxing way to go out and hunt. Uh, football or baseball? Uh, probably football is probably what I would used to watch a lot of, but I'll be real honest with you. I, I, I've kind of, you know, turned off a lot of the sports programs because they have become involved in all the social issues. And they've, you know, they've, they've turned to this big, this social platform, which is like, what really, you know, I, I think most people want to watch a game and have a pure competition. They don't want to see all of the social garbage on there. 
you know, let's just let's play football. Uh, let's do sports and let the sports really help us work out our, our problem. That was always a great, great place to be able to get rid of the tension and stuff. And now it's just, it's created a lot more tension. So I probably don't watch as much as what I used to. And it's just sad, but I think a lot of people feel the same way. But I would say probably, I, I probably like to watch the, the football games because there's more action. Sure. You know, it's yeah. constant, right. <laughs> you know? The most, uh, what's the most inaccurate thing someone's assumed about politicians? Um, that they're all making big, big, big salaries. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, they, they, when you run for office, that there's one group or one organization that owns that political person, you know, um, I will tell you that there are maximums with what people can contribute, you know, to a, a political position and nobody owns me for what that max is at like $2,000. They don't own me. You know, I, I've sent money back to a couple people that thought they did. And it's not, you don't know me, you know, this is not about you. This is about doing what's right, you know, and I sent money back and it got their attention. You know, it's like, this is about, yeah, it's about, you know, it's a, this is a little bit different level at the, at the state level. There's a lot more, a lot more issues that go on at the federal level. And we see it constantly where there's issues with some of these individuals that are in positions where they can help themselves to more more money you know that is not the case at most elected positions it's not about making a big buck or or putting you in a position where you can you know uh make a million dollars tomorrow that's that doesn't work so i think that's one of the things that people see that and they'll they'll see that uh one individual has stepped out and done things that are a little corrupt and they just think everybody is they associate everybody but that's not just that's just not associated with political positions that's also associated with other positions that are in positions of trust school teachers police officers um you see one person screws up and they say man they're all bad you know and that's not true you got so many people that go out and do it right every single day you know uh, so you got to value those people for for what they do as an individual basis, and remember that there can always be one person that can screw up and make a mistake. We're not perfect. That's right. That's you right. know, so we need to work work through that. <clears throat> so I've got uh, I've got two more for you, and they're basically like a, a finish this sentence kind of a thing. So I'll give you the the front end of the sentence, and then I'll let you fill in the the back end. So the first one is, if I wasn't in politics, I'd if I wasn't in politics, I would be retired and I would be probably up fishing at the lake most of the time. Nice. I should have thrown in a fishing question. That's great. It's probably where I would be at. That's great. That sounds awesome to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, finish this sentence. I'm most grateful for my family, my family, and my friends. I think that's probably, that's probably one of the best uh, gifts that, that God's given me and my faith. I would say that's rolled into one. I'm with you. That's good. Well, uh, Senator Wangard, this has been fun, insightful. I, I would, I would appreciate if you would close us out, sir. Um, but uh, we've got leaders listening in from nonprofit and for-profit organizations, um, educators, probably a few students on here as well. And then folks, both as, as we've mentioned before in the private and public sector. So lots of different people on here and I'd love for you to leave them with some encouragement. So, what encouragement do you want to leave uh, our listeners with? 
Well, let me think. Okay, I would I would say this. Don't always look at the, the, the dark side of things. You know, you have to you have to create positivity and be be positive. And it can be the worst thing happening in your life. My 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 daughter right now was she's going through battling battling colon cancer. And she is just such a pillar of strength. She she is convinced that that God is gonna gonna solve this this medical issue and and, and I totally have know in my heart he's going to. So it's having that positive that positive outlook and staying positive. I don't think there's anything that you can't accomplish if you're positive and you value others. I mean, I think that's probably the the uh, the most in-depth thing that I've learned in my life is to value others and even people that you may not always agree with. You know, one of the things in the, in the political aspect here, you know, you always see that there's like this cat fight between the Democrats and the Republicans. I got to tell you that we're we're pretty blessed here in southeastern Wisconsin. All of my colleagues, we all get together. We talk to each other. Sometimes we'll go to breakfast together, and we'll talk. We don't always agree on everything, uh, you know, how to get from point A to point B, but we talk to each other. I mean, I've testified in confirmation hearings for some of our secretary appointments. Uh, Peter Barca, I mean, he's was a Democrat. Uh, and he's a really great friend of mine because he's honest and he straight for, he talks from his heart. Uh, Jim Cruiser, who was a past, he was on the uh, uh, was a state representative uh, down in in Kenosha County and was a county exec for many years. We worked together on a lot of issues to to bring things to Kenosha County. Uh, he's now been appointed to the Board of Regents. I, I told him I, I'll come and testify for him. You know, on just what our relationship is and you know the the man's been true and honest and like i said we don't always agree on this and i don't expect people to agree on everything but you got to be able to have a good conversation so value others be positive and you'll be amazed at what you can accomplish you know and just watch because when when the lord opens those doors up you got to be ready to jump in and be a problem solver and help others and that comes back tenfold that's fantastic. That's a great place to end. Again, thank you for the time. Um, I'm grateful for this conversation and it's, uh, it's and his encouragement to have you on um, and to hear your perspective and, and your your view on how we should be valuing others and respecting each other and listening. Uh, this is a really good word. So thank you for being here. Well, you are welcome. Thank you for the invitation. And I guess we, we talked offline prior to this, and I just want to add this, that that when Debbie Ford retired and you were at that retirement, you went up and spoke, you could tell of the leadership that developed from other leaders that you've worked with that allowed us to have this conversation. So th thank you for that. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much, sir. Takeaways and action items. First of all, the takeaways. Not all public figures are making huge money. Number two, community, consistency, authenticity, follow through, and hard work are indicators of a job well done. Number three, I've got more in common with Senator Wangard than I thought. Action items. Number one, ask more questions before assuming we know what someone's all about. Number two, if we want change, engage. Talk only goes so far. Number three, 
Respect and disagreeing with someone's opinion can go hand in hand. You heard him. You heard him talk about his friends from across the aisle. It can happen. But you got to do some work on yourself. Now, if you liked what you heard, I have a simple ask. Go ahead and send this episode to someone. We want to bring value to more and more folks just like you. But we don't know your friends. We don't know your family. So we need your help to get this message out. Now, if you want to comment or review, feel free. We love it. We read them. It helps us. If you're in Spotify, you just hit the five stars. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, a little bit, a couple more clicks, but similar thing. If you're in any other podcast app, do it. We enjoy it. We see them. We love it. If you don't want to, whatever, just scroll down to the show notes. Look for the all caps words, show notes, and find some links to follow up with us at the Impact of Leadership or to see, maybe listen to one of the other 130 episodes that we have in our podcast library or click the other link that goes to one of the 75 plus blogs with practical leadership lessons that we have. All free stuff. Check the notes, hit the links, enjoy yourself. Well, I can't wait to be with you again soon. But until then, from us at the Impact of Leadership, thanks for listening.